Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. This is your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, coming to you from Hackettstown, New Jersey. And hopefully, the sound of my voice has things going well in your life and on your farm and uh, just in general. It's a crazy world we live in today. So we just have to be grateful for whatever peace and solitude that we have. Uh, world's going nuts. But anyway, we won't go there because you didn't click into this show to, to hear my thoughts on that, right? But anyway, uh, I got some interesting, well, I'm excited to tell you that the since the last time we got together, that the Hot Rod Farmer license plates arrived and uh, from down in Georgia. And they were made in Georgia, and they came early. Uh, you may say, well, you were saying it every week, but they told me that they were not going to be made until uh, March 17th, but they actually came on March 17th, so they actually made them early. And I, I have to say one thing, I personally feel they dropped that gorgeous. I think the company did a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful job. And for those of you that, well, 99.99% of you don't know me, all right, you know, you hear me talking, and that's basically it. Maybe you read me in the magazines or on the website or whatever, or seen me on television with successful farming TV or prior to that DIY automotive. But that was some time ago. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I am a straight shooter. I mean, if I thought they came out lousy, I would tell you. I'm not the type of person that, you know, because it's mine, you think it's, you know, that you have the most beautiful baby in the uh, in the nursery. I mean, if the baby is ugly, the baby is ugly. doesn't mean you don't love them. But I was really, really, really just just floored when I opened up the box and saw the the hot rod farmer license plates. I had paid for uh, the, the, the thicker metal, uh, 32 thousandths instead of 24 thousandths. And I was still kind of questioning whether that would be thick enough. That was the thickest material I had. And their aluminum, you know, because years ago they would be made out of steel, but they're aluminum and uh, they just did a fantastic job. I I had them individually wrapped in plastic. Uh, they didn't charge me for that. They were supposed to charge me. And uh, they said, no, they would do that on the house. And uh, fantastic job. They came packaged beautifully uh, in the, in a box. It was 40, 36 pounds. It was very heavy. I mean, not that 36 pounds is heavy, but when it's very condensed, it's very heavy. And even the box was made in the USA. It said, I mean, it said in the box, you know, this box made proudly in the United States of America and the plates are, I mean, just gorgeous. So hopefully, hopefully you think they're just, and if that, that you, uh, are as enthusiastic about those plates for the people who win, uh, from the audience the contest so and if you want to get into that contest all you need to do is email me at hot rod farmer at farm machinery digest.com and then let me know and i'll get the pin in my pin in my map from where you are you could just tell me more or less where you're listening from you could tell me a little bit about your your what you do if you don't want to that's cool also and you will get into that drawing so very very happy with them and then what i'm going to ask every week is two things uh number one is that if you are if you do win i would greatly appreciate if you would email me a picture of either you holding the plate or the way you where you put the license plate and i know lots of states there is no place to put a front license plate so you may choose to put on your toolbox you may put it on the grill or whatever that's all fine i understand that no issues with that and uh, you may put on your farm tractor your lawn tractor who knows but i would really love moving forward for you to email me at hot rod farmer at farm machinery digest.com it doesn't have to be an ansel adams picture if you want to be in it that's great if you don't want to be in it, that's great but i would love and then what we will do is my 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 web uh, person my art director will make a place on the website farm machinery digest.com where we will post all your pictures now i know everybody's not going to send a picture but I would love for you to send the picture because I would love to be able to see where the license plate is and how it looks. So that is that. The second thing I want to talk to you about in regards to the license plate is that I messed up. So I record everybody who, who sends me information uh, as far as wanting either to, 
tell me where they where they listen from for a pin and join the contest or just there's a form on the website that you could fill out and that's just to join the contest to win the license plate so i record all of that i have a notebook i don't mean a digital notebook i got old-fashioned notebook with paper and pencil and i write everybody's uh you know name down and what have you but what i did not realize is that i even though i have everybody's email but today a lot of people's emails don't have anything to do with their name i mean so there's no association so or you could be uh you know uh, uh, my name could be Ray Bohax, and my email address is John Deere forty JD forty twenty at gmail dot com. And I'm not good enough with the computer and with all that stuff. And Sue said I have to start to do an Excel spreadsheet on it, which uh, I probably will mess up anyway. But so the thing that I'm saying to you is what we're going to do on the website is that Susan is going to make a section that says that for the winners of the of a license plate so uh, if you if you don't happen to hear your name on the show under uh, because you missed it right i mean that's possible you're not gonna sit and have your whole life to listen to idle chatter you can miss it then just go to the website once a week and then you could see whether your name is up there then you email me and say hey i won the license plate i i you know here's my address and send it to me so does that make sense because i don't have a proper way to correlate the person's name where they're from and so it could be like ray bohax hackettstown new jersey but maybe uh you know my email address is 4gt so who knows so that was something that i messed up early on and i should have done uh, i didn't think after i thought about that on the plane coming back from commodity classic i was like ah how am i going to contact these people but anyway so that is that but i'm going to be giving away two to three between two and four license plates a week there's going to be two and four winners a week but i started out with 10 this week because we had i was blessed with a lot of people giving me pins in the map and i don't want these license plates in my basement i want these license plates in your in, in your possession so i wanted to do 10 winners right up front and i'm only going to announce eight names at this particular point because two of them did not get back to me yet all right so so these are the people who are the initial winners <clears throat> of the license plates and then every week we'll move forward mike warner from caledonia minnesota kyle friday from essexville michigan shane hennessy from davie nebraska ken bailey from sydney montana bruce jack Ubarcus, bruce i'm killing your name again from center barnstead new hampshire david kivio Kivi, kivioya i'm gonna get your name right one day david david kivioya from woodbine maryland and he's going to be he agreed to be to do an on the road podcast with me so i'm really excited about that evan scherzer in millersville pennsylvania and last but not least cody and megan reisman from vandergrift pennsylvania and i saved them for i say i read cody and megan's name last as a winner and i just want you to know that that you may very well have those license plates by the time this show drops wednesday morning because they're all supposed they're all in the post office they all got mailed and they all went out so according to the post office you should be having them sometime by the time this show this show drops now what did i do with my paper here i missed that i messed that up how do i do this okay now very very important is that first of all i want to congratulate cody and megan on the birth of their child that they're now parents and their child and they have a baby boy and his name is cole michael reisman but i'm going to ask you all to to keep them in your prayers and charlotte and i have added little cole michael reisman to our prayer list and cody contacted me and he told me and i did not even know that they were going to be parents uh so i mean i, I should have known i mean it's none of my business but anyway but uh little cole michael was born eight weeks premature and only four pounds seven ounces he's up to six ounces now he was born february 17th so just the other day the day my license plates came march 17th was his one month birthday and megan has been in the hospital she was into the hospital from I, I believe cody said january 28th but cody forgive me if i didn't write down the proper date for that but the important take-home message here is that i am going to reach out to everyone in the audience and uh 
I, you know, today there's so many prayers that need to go out in so many ways. But, uh, you know, Charlotte and I are going to definitely be praying for for little for little Cole Michael that he should return to the farm. He should not return. He should go get back home, back to the farm. That's his true home, and he's in a hospital in Pittsburgh, and they had quite a struggle with that. There, uh, a young couple, uh, newly married. Uh, Megan was a gorgeous, gorgeous bride and did a beautiful wedding. They sent me pictures of it. And last year, I went out to them to their farm and did a um, on-the-road podcast with them, and they're starting the farm. And uh, it's just uh, a lot of things on their plate. But thank God that the little baby is, is doing well, and this will hopefully be just uh, a nothing, right? A bump in the road when he's three or four years old and he's jumping on a tractor. He's not going to remember it. He was premature. So congratulations, Cody and Megan. And I ask you all to, to say a prayer that little Cole Michael does very very well and comes home to where he belongs on the Reisman farm so that is that we got that under our belt 11 minutes into the show uh the other thing is that uh on this the um march 26th i'm going to say it that way because after it airs on the radio it goes on to my website so in the march 26th episode of my radio show on sirius xm farm machinery digest radio I'm doing a segment uh, called, or not a segment, I'm doing an episode called Getting to Know. And uh, I did one of those about a month or two ago. It was Getting to Know the ME Wagner piece, Adjustable PCV Valve. So you may want to go there and check that out if you um, have an engine that has a PCV valve or has an oil problem or an idle problem. And you may want to just check that out. But I did a show that will air on March 26th and then the following week on my website as a podcast. And it is about the new Massey Ferguson 8S tractor. So that's a really interesting tractor. And that um, that I drove that tractor a couple of months back. Uh, Agco Corporation Massey um, arranged for me to go see. They had, they had one tractor that was touring the country and they had it stop in Pennsylvania, and I went there at Binkley and Hearst, which is a dealer group in Pennsylvania. And uh, so I actually uh, actually bought my Unverfurth Perfector there, and my well, it's not a brilliant, it's not brilliant corporation anymore. Even when I bought it, it was Landall Corporation, but I still call it a brilliant subsoiler. So I drove it, and then what the important thing where I'm telling you about is because if you are interested, I would say I did an I did a, a dialogue, not an interview, a dialogue with a representative from Massey, and I did it as a first time doing a telephone connection, and it worked out very very well uh, because I've been able to um, to. I should say link, or I don't want to say master, or whatever. Get get the telephone connections to work. Is that I am going to use that on rare occasion to do an on the road segment because, as you know, that everything I've done has been live. I mean, live in person. I go to the person's place or farm or what have you, and haven't done anything over the telephone. But I had to do this with Massey and as for the radio show because these companies all around the country and I can't physically get there. So that worked out very well uh, by God's grace. The Lord led me to, uh, to, to, to figure out how to do it. He showed me, gave me wisdom how to do it. And, you know, maybe for somebody else, it's not a challenge, but trying to interface everything, you know, in the beginning is a little bit awkward and you want to make sure that the audio quality is good. But because of that, on occasion, some, I'm going to do a few on the roads through the telephone connection and the one con the one on the road that i already have set up is with dr larry butler and he's in texas and he is a uh, uh he had a tv show called out on the land so it's it's very very passionate he worked with the uh, uh natural resources commission for, uh, through the uh, usda and uh just really really great guy we never met him spoke to him on the phone many times com communicated and i was a big fan of his show and he's very very passionate about soil and nature so he's gonna fall and farmer he's gonna obviously fall into the farm category and then under the automobile category i am going to have uh my my brother my brother from a different mother, my best buddy, my brother Gene Worst, 
who lives out in Las Vegas, and he's a listener to the show, and he's just a very, very passionate car guy. And he knows, and and I've known Gene for forty years, so it'll be easy to do an on the road over the telephone with him. But uh, I just want you to know about that. So uh, looking forward to doing those, and hopefully you get a chance to go to my website in two weeks and check out that Massey Ferguson Eight S interview. Let me know what you think of it. Alrighty, so that is that. So we did all of that. 15 minutes in and uh i'm going to get a uh, drink of water here yeah thank you for allowing me to do that hopefully and i really want to apologize to you guys because this throat of mine has been so prob- problematic and it just when you do a podcast for a radio show i mean it gets all it's all like gummed up in there and uh i bought this navage if you never heard of it it's supposed to be it's they call it nasal irrigation they actually ad i've heard about it before but they actually advertise on uh, my radio show on sirius xm rural radio so i said let me buy it let me try it and i'm 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 using it now and hopefully uh hopefully it makes my i i could breathe a lot better but it does that does not mean that when i'm talking for an hour that i'm not going to have the same maladies but it's definitely definitely trending in the proper direction it's called navage n-a-v-a-g-e and uh actually interestingly enough the company is in the old building in Cleveland, well, Brook, uh, in Brooklyn, Ohio, which is outskirts of Cleveland, where Mr. Gasket used to be, where I used to go to teach classes because I saw the address and I said, that's the Mr. Gasket. That was, it was the American Greeting Cards complex. So American Greeting Cards were there and then Mr. Gasket had sold their old building, their original building, I'm talking 20 years ago, and they moved into the American Greeting Cards complex and Mr. Gasket went out of business. And interestingly enough, this Navage is in the same building where I used to, the corporation, where I used to go to for Mr. Gasket for many years, for 13 years, and used to teach the Axel Emic engine management installation center classes. So it is a small world. And then when I was looking that up, I found out, I'm not laughing, but I found out the Hampton Inn I used to stay at, which was like a mile from the American Greeting Cards complex, burned, well, then partially burned down the other day. So crazy, crazy stuff going on. But let's get today's show, today's show. And what I'm going to talk about is determinative data that you get on instrumentation. And then you say, what the heck is he talking about, determinative data? Well, basically, in essence, on most modern applications, and this could be farm equipment, could be a road vehicle. So I'll just quantify it as a farm equipment, a road vehicle. And then uh, you could get, for many years now, you could get fuel economy data, and that could be miles per gallon, or it could be on a farm tracker, tractor, it could be gallons per hour, or gallons per acre all right then usually most most applications give you range to empty and then a lot of applications today also give you some sort of oil life monitor or oil life warning even if it's not a monitor uh it'll, a monitor being something that you could get get active data from like a gas gauge is a monitor it's telling you everything whereas versus something just a warning light and saying well change your oil and then on on diesel engines, as far as um, regeneration of the diesel particulate filter, then uh, that is something that is also it doesn't completely fall into this determinative instrumentation. But there's a decision making process there, and oftentimes those excuse me are a little bit confusing. So in essence, what prompted me to do this. Uh, to this show today is that I, I i get questions and i talk to a lot of people and because i'm a talker i mean i talk to somebody at the supermarket and this seems within the community uh the the knowledgeable community which i consider my which is you my audience the knowledgeable community and then there is the unknowledgeable community so i mean just the everyday guy doesn't mean he because he doesn't know anything about engines or machinery or farm tractors doesn't mean that he's not educated just doesn't know anything about that there's a lot of confusion with this and i feel that it's important for you to understand it and it's important for you to understand how these determinative instruments are used and that use are gather their data so as my dear dear instructor from years ago i mentioned his name many times 
on the show and on my pod on my uh, radio show on my podcast mr richard hip dick hip says it doesn't work on magic and a lot of people think that it works on magic and uh the thing also once you understand how they work then you could apply a protocol that will allow you to make it more accurate and that's really what one of the things that people especially with the fuel economy in the range to empty that the people uh you know they they don't utilize it properly revoke the proper protocol and then the data skews and then because the data skews it, it's useless so basically in essence uh <clears throat> bad data is worse than no data because if you have no data at, at least your mind is not uh at least your mind is not uh i'm just looking at what noise was ali jumped up but uh at least your mind is not uh you know being tricked oh the other thing i want to tell you is I knew there was something else that uh, I think my little Allie is pregnant. So I'm, I'm taking it to the vet this week. And uh, matter of fact, on Wednesday, when his show drops, I'll be at the vet with her. And God, when I went to Commodity Classic and I came home, I was only getting three days. And then she gained so much weight. You know, and my wife said she was eating like a horse. Charlotte said she was eating like a horse. But I, I think it's a kitten having kittens. And uh, we've had all intentions of getting her spayed but we felt that she was too young. I mean, interestingly enough, as, as much as I love animals and had, every, I'm not every type, but so many different types of animals in my life, but other than my chickens and my dog, Wendy, I always had boys. So I had boy cats. I've had a lot of cats in my life, a lot of cats and bites. Some, we never went looking for an animal. The animals always came to us. So I never, I mean, even my first chicken was adopted. So we, we never went looking, got up in the morning, said, oh, I'm going to go get chickens later, or I'm going to get a dog or a cat, or I'm going to get a possum or a raccoon. I mean, they all came to us. And we've always had, we've always, by some, I guess you got a 50-50 shot, right? So I don't know what we're going to do with that. Hopefully, God willing, she's not pregnant, but she has all the telltale signs. I mean, she's only a kitten. She's only six months old. And then my wife did some research, Charlotte did research, and she found out that they could get pregnant in four months old. So it wasn't Donald because Donald is fixed, and we've always had all our male cats all, all neutered. So um, it's going to be, a, I don't know, I don't want to... I don't want to do an abortion. I'm, I'm, I'm against abortion in any way, shape, or form. So we'll see. So God willing, look, whatever, whatever it is, it is uh, be in God's hands. But hopefully, maybe she's not pregnant. But let me get back to this here. So we're going to go through these determinative instrumentations. Now, the thing is that let's start with fuel economy. Now, most, and I don't care whether it's miles per gallon, uh, kilometers uh, i think it's what i think up in the metric the metric system is uh i think what a uh, hundred how many liters per kilometer or 100 li- uh, something like that i'm sorry for my canadian and european listeners and listeners around the world that use the metric system please forgive me for that i should know that uh, and then on a farm you may have a, p- a farm track that goes gallons per hour or gallons per acre or what have you but ultimately it's making this decision now how is it making this decision now if you look back um this type of data this determinative data that's determining something didn't was not around when there were mechanical systems controlling engines so when you had a carburetor or you had a pump line nozzle diesel then you had no there was no there was no determinative data as far as fuel consumption was concerned because there was no practical way for them to do it once electronic engine controls were integrated into a into the management system or the engine i'll say that it became much easier for them to determine this and provide this data now as far as as far as fuel usage is concerned with any type of electronic electronically controlled uh fuel system i would say it, it something administers administers fuel so it could be a gasoline fuel injection it could be a it could be a diesel engine with a piezo piezo crystal injector what have you so if it has a fuel injector what happens is the way this system works is that it looks at the pulse width of the injector so the pulse width is how long 
the ground circuit was complete and this is if it's a tier four diesel or or if it's a if it's a car or it makes no difference so how long that the injector pulse with the ground was completed because when the ground is completed the injector is energized and it's flowing fuel so it looks at that and then it also knows the running time and it knows that the and on the road vehicle it knows the speed the running time and the injector pulse width so by if you know all those data points uh, then you could calculate very very accurately what fuel is being used by the engine and the same thing is with a diesel and it depends whether the metric is you know gallons per hour you know liters per hour uh gallons per acre and usually most of the time it's gallons per hour so what it does is because it knows the pulse width so it knows that every time that injector sprays and the, it's going to be able to move this an x, x amount of fuel an unknown it's an unknown net entity to you but it's not an unknown entity to them because every injector is has a certain flow rate so when they put an injector in an engine it's not just arbitrary you know just stay an injector in there joey i mean they know the flow rate of the injector so if you know the flow rate of the injector and you're able to quantify the flow rate at different pulse widths versus what they call the static flow the static flow is with the injector not pulsing just just completely open so it'd be like running a uh, a garden hose without a nozzle but so they noticed static flow and then they were able to accurately determine the flow at different opening rates at different pulse widths and pulse width meaning how long in milliseconds the injector is open so if you know how many pulses it had of a certain length and you know how how many how long the engine was running and then you know the speed uh the speed of the engine and the and the ground speed of the vehicle or the tractor or what have you on it well on a tractor if you're doing gallons per hour and you don't care about speed but then you, it's very easy for an equation an algorithm to be incorporated into the ecu that is going to very accurately give you a proper fuel economy rating so the thing is that now i have over the years had a number of cars uh, other than my ranger everything has and well my old escorts then but and then you know having many press vehicles and excuse me and then driving as a test calibration engineer for bmw is that i know that these systems work and they're extremely accurate now somebody's probably listen to this going you're full of it hot rod because my thing says i'm getting 30 miles per gallon or 20 when i filled up at the pump that says i'm getting 20 miles per gallon or vice versa so let's address that right now the thing is that the proper way for you to use a fuel mileage indicator and on a road vehicle or on a uh or on a uh uh, off-road vehicle like a farm tractor is that every time that you are going to fill that tank you you're going to need to zero out and reset that scale so like on my car i guess my fiesta i just press a button and that resets it back to zero so every time i fill up the tank with fuel i reset that to zero now the thing basically is is that let's say you don't fill up the tank with fuel and you're putting whatever 20 gallons in it or or what have you or this is a farm tractor and you're not and 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 whatever it may be then the thing is what you whatever it is if it's going to be a partial fill it's probably more the most succinct way for me to say it a partial fill or you want to get certain data so let's say that you want to see what kind of mileage you're getting towing this trailer up this hill then what you would need to do is reset that the fuel economy the fuel range or not a range of fuel economy meter at that particular point so let's say that you fill up your whatever gas say fill up you're going down the road and it, you're saying 30 miles per gallon and you say well i really want to see what i get at on this road at 80 miles an hour versus 65 miles an hour then you would need to do is you would need to reset it 
get the vehicle up to 80 miles per hour and then drive it at that speed long enough for it to collect enough data if you go there for two seconds it's not going to give accurate data because it's going to read that pulse width at that particular point and say okay we had make i'm making up numbers five milliseconds on the inject opening time or at 3000 rpm and why it needs to know the engine speed because it needs to know how many pulse widths of three of five milliseconds was issued and and we we try and we're going 50 miles an hour and the internal clock all of these ecus have clocks in them and internal clock says we did this for x for 10 seconds and it's going to give you some data but you need to get just like any type of test you need to get enough of a sample you don't have to go 500 miles enough of a sample for it to get good data so the key to getting accurate data with a fuel consumption meter we'll call it at that is to reset it i always fill my tanks up so when i fill up with gas i reset it but like i said if you did not want to do that you want to see what you're getting on this leg of a trip versus the other leg of the trip then you could be going down the road you could press whatever button you need to press to reset it and zero it out and then from that point on it's going to take the data of looking at the injector pulse width the engine speed all right the length of the, the amount of time that the engine is running and also uh so the speed the time and the pulse width all right so that's what it's going to look at and that is going to be extremely accurate now when can this skew well if you don't keep resetting it then it's going to it's going to skew because it's going to just have this moving average so let's say that you went into the city and you filled up the tank with gas right when you went into the city and you got caught in traffic and you're sitting for two hours in traffic well the engine is running it's using fuel all right it's not going any it's it's not it's not covering any distance any mileage any so so you're going to have like zero miles per gallon there so now you get out on the highway and you're rolling well so you're going to take that zero average and then you're going to now put 30 miles per gallon av- that you're getting on the highway and you're going to put those together and you're going to come up with 15 miles per gallon so it may have been 15 miles per gallon for that whole tank full but you were getting zero when you were sitting in traffic for two hours so it's very very important and people don't do that they don't reset it and if you need to reset it every every time you want to get accurate data so like on my wife's escape she doesn't know how to reset it i showed her many times but she she does she, she's not not familiar with resetting it so i used to always reset it every week every weekend for her before she went back to work and so i could see what kind of mileage she's getting and i you know i've said this many times before that looking at data like this is very important because it gives you an indicator of what's happening so if i know like she always usually going back and forth to the city to work she gets about 30 about 29 in the winter and about 32 in the summer in the warmer weather so say about 30 31 miles per gallon so if i see 27 eh, something isn't right well you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna jump the gun but if i see you know it could have been a load of low density gasoline or maybe she got caught in a lot of traffic that week or what have you or who knows she made a lot of around town driving but you know historically and i've done this spoke about this on the show before it's good to have that you don't have to write it down in a notebook but you need to know that this thing usually gets 30 miles per gallon if it's getting 25 now then there's something going on all right historically not a one-time shot at 25 so it's very very important for you to reset that and then you it will give you very very accurate data so the time it skews is because it has a running average and it did not have a reset of of its calculation all right so now using and that's the same thing that's going to happen with a with a piece of farm equipment if it's gallons per hour or how many gallons used and and what have you so you have to look at the way if it's just a live monitor for gallons per hour then there's no reset so the thing basically is you have to look at the piece of equipment but most piece of equip most pieces of equipment they give you historical data and the farm tractors have gps systems so they know how many acres you covered and what have you but the thing is that you need to have some sort of in most instances specifically at a road vehicle some sort of resets you don't skew that data and homogenize it now you may want to say well for this whole trip i went to california and you may never want to reset it you say for my whole trip i average x amount of miles per gallon 
All right, so that's all up to you. But the key here, I don't want to belabor it, is it needs to be reset. Now, the next thing that comes into play is that the range to empty. That's another thing where people get, get confused and, and get either aggravated with it or curse it or what have you. Now, there's, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's a protocol. Or it's really not a protocol. But the average road, I, the, as far as a road vehicle is concerned, the 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 industry consensus is that the fuel tank is sized on a road vehicle to give a range on the highway of about 400 miles for the tank so if you have a vehicle that they figure gets 40 miles per gallon it's probably gonna have a 10 to 12 gallon tank if it gets 10 miles per gallon it's probably gonna have a 40 gallon tank so the so the range and if you look at this most vehicles so let's say i'm in my fiesta and I get 40 miles per gallon. I mean, I get more than that. Let's say 40 freezy arithmetic. So, and you're following me with your whatever, and it gets 10 miles per gallon, all right? The thing is that if we both go 100 miles at the same speed on the highway, we're following one another the same range, that when we go 100 miles, you'll probably have around three quarters of a tank of fuel, and I'll have three quarters of a tank of fuel. Granted, my tank is 10 gallons and your tank is 40 gallons. But the industry protocol, the industry standard for a road vehicle is to size the fuel capacity based upon the highway, the what they feel is a, is a valid, accurate highway mileage and 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 use and size it for about 400 miles. So now the thing basically is is that when you look at this and then you look at the gas gauge. The gas gauge is actually a little bit more complicated than most than it used to be years ago. So what's what's going to happen is that the gas gauge is usually calculated at sweep. Its resolution is usually calculated on the fuel volume less two to three gallons. But then again, that is a percentage. So for instance, like my my Fiesta uh my old escort which had the same size fuel tank one was 12.8 and one is 12.6 when the low fuel light came on all right i would have about between two to about two to 2.8 gallons left in the tank so let's say two and a half gallons my fiesta is the same way it's about two two and a half gallons so when my th- my, my range says zero miles to empty i mean in theory i should be dead on the side of the road right if i pull into the next gas station it happens to be right there arguably because if you ride 10 miles that's going to skew it or 20 miles and i fill it up and then it takes it takes 9.6 to 9.8 maybe 10 gallons i have a 12.8 gallon tank so what it boils down to is that there is a percentage that is used and it's usually around 10 to 15 percent so the gas gauge on most vehicles is is calibrated to have uh at 80 to 85 percent of fuel capacity so if you have a 10 gallon tank so it's probably calibrated to read empty when the when the tank needs about eight to nine gallons so there's usually two to three gallons left in there now if you have a super duty pickup truck or a big ram or something with a 50 gallon tank you may have five or six gallons left when it reads empty but the range to empty is going to be based upon the gallons that the gauge is calibrated off so we'll use my fiesta which is calibrated off at 10 gallons uh, and then it's going to take the the current fuel economy reading that that monitor is showing so then again if you update that that monitor every time you fill up the gas the fuel economy monitor it's going to take the last reading that it had so if i shut the car off and i was getting 50 miles per gallon and i have a 12 gallon tank i i fill it up i start the car it's going to say range to empty arguably 600 miles because it's going to take the last data before you reset it and it's going to use that now if i was getting 15 miles per gallon all right it's not going to say 600 miles and say 150 miles all right to, to empty and then that is why 
as you start to go down the road and the mileage improves, let's say you came out of the city, you were stuck in traffic, and now you're getting 50 miles per gallon, you'll see as you start to travel, even though you're using gas, your range to empty will increase. So the key here, the take-home message here, is that the gas gauge is 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 calibrated in this now you may say well mine is not calibrated that whatever but the industry unwritten standard there's no law there's no sae standard about it is that the tank is the fuel tank is sized for about 400 miles of range on the highway all right the gas gauge is usually calibrated to 80 to 85 percent of the capacity so you'll probably have between 10 and 20 percent of the capacity left in the tank when it reads empty and when the mileage to empty reads zero miles to empty and the other thing that comes into play is that the mileage the miles to empty is based upon the data in that you are seeing with your fuel economy so they're intrinsically linked so if you were to reset the fuel economy indicator every time you filled up with gas or bought gas then your range mileage to empty would be much more accurate but it's always based upon having a certain percentage of fuel left in the tank and that is why i always say and suggest and this is with a farm tractor also but the thing is that i always suggest but specifically with a road vehicle when you get a vehicle it's new to you run the tank down till low fuel light comes on almost everything has a low fuel indicator today even the cheapest car then fill it up with gas see how many gallons it takes look in the manual and say okay it's got a 12 gallon tank the low fuel light came on and it took nine gallons and do this four or five or six times and this way you will know and it's a great way for you to be able to have a have not have a white knuckle driving if you're in an unknown areas oh my god the low fuel light came on all right but you know from empirically from data over many tankfuls that when the low fuel light comes on you have three gallons left you're getting 30 miles per gallon so you have about 85 90 miles of range and the sign that you just saw says the next gas station is 20 miles enjoy the ride buddy because you don't have to worry because you have this data but it's all it that's how it that's how it comes about so it's all based upon the 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 range uh the potential range 400 miles the percentage of the fuel used empty is not empty uh 80 percent empty is empty and then the mileage calculation is is really needs for you to constantly reset that to get accurate data all right we're gonna i'm gonna take a drink of water here and then i'm going to continue on hey thank god my navage i'm not coughing right probably start to cough for in two seconds all right next thing is that oil life indicators now this started many many years ago about 30 25 30 years ago on on higher end cars and some of the indicators will tell you you know that the oil life is a percentage of the life left some will tell you that you need to change the oil and 10,000 miles, 8,000 miles is left, or some of them will just come up and say, service changed the oil. My Fiesta just says change the oil. But then again, some other vehicles will give you a percentage, like I've had press courses, 60% oil life left. Well, how does it determine this? There's two ways to determine this, and the, the uh, most accurate way to determine it uses a sensor in the oil pan and what it basically does it's an optical sensor and to and, and for simplistic reasons here we're not going to get into this we're not designing sensors your farmers and hot rodders and car guys is that it basically is an optical sensor and it sends an electrical signal through the oil and 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 then again there's an algorithm based upon the electrical conductivity of the oil it's going to be able to determine its uh, it's condition i'll say and then it has an algorithm that uses that that is a very complicated and expensive way to determine oil life or oil health or percentage of life left so they'll know so basically in essence it's almost akin it's it's not specific gravity like you would take with a battery with a hydrometer but it's akin to a specific gravity so it says it knows that that fresh oil has this electrical conductivity 
and we're getting this electrical conductivity so fresh oil has this and it's going to say based upon this it's going to have it's going to have a predictor of what the oil life is left and then again then it comes back some of the systems are more complex and it comes back and mercedes was very complex in the beginning and then it come back and say okay you're averaging 50 miles per hour for the way you drive you're averaging 30 miles per hour the way you drive over this cycle and then based upon this you should have you should need to change your own 3,000 miles right the problem with something like that is it's very complex and when you add more steps in the equation then it there is there is more possibility for error to be introduced and then also you have the possibility of actually ticking the customer off because the oil indicator says that you need to ch- change oil now what have you so whatever so i'm not going to say there's many different vehicles and brands on the market but that was usually the domain of a higher price vehicle and don't hold me to it i think mercedes was the first one who started to implement that and bring it to the marketplace but then now it got to be kind of mainstream in a watered down form so most of the oil life indicators today uh, have nothing to do with electrical conductivity then again it's an algorithm what's good about an algorithm is you do the math once you pay some guy that's got a phd in math and you lock him in a room and you tell him to do these calculations almost like an actuary do these calculations once you have the calculations you fire them right and then uh, i mean i'm being facetious and that's it it's not like you have a sensor in the sense of skews and what have you like an optical sensor so then again what happens with most of these oil life indicators and at this particular point it makes no difference whether it reach percentage of life or just like my cheap car just says to change the oil which my light never comes on because i change the oil and i reset it before whatever i think once in my life since i've had the car because i didn't know how to reset it so uh so what it does is that it looks at the driving cycles excuse me that the vehicle was exposed to so let's say we have two of the exact same cars i'll pick on my fiesta let's say i have my fiesta and i have the exact same car down to the same color that my wife has same year everything used the same oil what have you and then i do predominantly highway driving and she does predominantly local driving well what's going to happen is that inside the ecu it's collecting data all right it's not sending it to big brother yet that we know of it's collecting data and it knows that i get out on the highway and i run 65 70 miles an hour for hours on end i have minimal cold starts i have minimal warm-up cycles i have minimal hot restarts so in other words if my wife goes and she starts the car and she drives to town five miles and at the oil and the coolant is up to temperature that's considered normal operating temperature she shuts it off to go into the store for five minutes and comes back out that's a hot restart so there's an algorithm that gains all of this data and some of them also can look at running time uh but usually if they look at running time they also have an hour meter like a lot of pickup trucks they have an hour meter all right and they look at running time and you know the same thing is going to happen with a piece of farm equipment so with a piece of farm equipment if it has some sort of monitor for oil life or when to change your oil or service it or what have you it's doing the same thing it's taking all of this data and it's looking at it so in essence if you were to pull a um a chisel plow and I, the reason why i'm saying a chisel plow because they're hard to pull especially when the ground is dry right so they're hard to pull you got to use some horsepower so you're going to be put some fuel through an engine so arguably if you had if you were pulling a chisel plow for uh for, for, for five days with this tractor that oil is going to be more stressed than it would be if you were uh shuttling uh uh a uh a, a buggy back that you found a combine and pulling a grain cart back to the farm or a grain cart to the town to the to the grain elevator so it's going with this 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 the ecu because it's running the engine has a part of it that's able to see all of this and now it's going to say okay well you're well like you have a combine and now you're sitting and you're idling in a lot because you're waiting for the grain cart to come and you're, you're doing wheat harvest in nebraska in the summer right wheat harvest like august in nebraska and it's hot and muggy and you're sitting there and you live with the waiting for the grain cart or the tractor trailer 
let a semi to come with the grain with the grain uh, trailer on it right so the thing is that so it has an algorithm that looks at all of this so basically in essence it's going to look at your driving style your driving cycles how the the, the length of each trip and it's going to look at how many warm-up cycles you've had and it's going to use that and determine and then whatever they happen to use in their algorithm they'll say okay well based upon this now you could use a cheaper oil or you could use a better oil so it doesn't look at that it's going to say it's going to based upon what they feel the qualities are of the oil that they recommend and it's going to say well given these conditions then this oil is, is going to start to be degraded or has a potential to have so much life so basically all of this is a predictor and uh it's based upon the driving cycles the use the amount of running time you know the load like i said you're pulling you're pulling a chisel plow versus pulling a grain cart well that 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 tractor is making a lot more using making a lot more heat there's a lot more when there's more when when it's making more when an engine is making more power you have to realize that power is cylinder pressure so it's not not compression ratio or cranking compressed cylinder pressure it's the expansion of the flame against the piston which drives it down so if you're pulling a chisel plow that oil on that connecting rod bearing and that main bearing maybe not so much the valve train all right because the valve spring pressure is going to be the same against the camshaft regardless with the lifter whether you whether you're pulling a chisel plow or going riding down just taking the tractor using it as a car but the thing is that so these what is the what is called the oil wedge theory and that is uh what's well, not really a theory as well they call it oil which and that's the how the oil needs to keep the bearing and the journal of the crankshaft and the connecting rod separated so this is a protected that's and it's about as to tell you the truth it's about as thick as your as your human hair that's what the oil so if you look up oil wedge i've written about it, it's the oil wedge theory and that little thin wedge of oil so if you're going and you're pulling a chisel plow <clears throat> or you have a a pickup truck and you're pulling a camper or you're pulling a boat and this thing is working then that pressure and that heat is going to beat that oil up more so that is why this algorithm looks at everything and looks at the load on the engine the way it's being used the way it's being driven and it looks at all of that and it determines what the what the potential or what the predicted life of the oil is so that is why somebody like me who runs a lot of constant speeds highway speeds very few hot restarts very few warm-ups all right so the thing is that then that that scale goes way way over to oh, i'm saying to the right to the high side you could take that same car and i could sell my car to somebody in brooklyn and that oil indicator may have to say change your oil in in 2000 miles and mine may say 12,000 miles so i don't go by that i mean i don't wait for mine to i i mean i, I change my oil based upon my you know my usage my mileage but i always reset that afterwards and because i don't want to be going to ohio on business and boom it pops on on route 80 because it doesn't know whether you changed the oil or not it doesn't know what the heck you did it's not magic it's based upon that resetting and that algorithm so that is how these oil life monitors work and then they could like i said they could make it more complex and all they're adding is another set of algorithms in it all right but as i said it's very all of that data is coming into the ecu so it's it's there they just have to corral it and put some math in it and that's why it's relatively inexpensive for them to do this instead of uh excuse me instead of uh you know having a complex way with a light sensor and electroconductivity and you know the thing is that even if you look at like a uh, a soil moisture probe for the most part that's using electrical conductivity of the soil so you know everything most things in life are a predictor so and you know and they're meant to be it's a prediction of what of 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 where it's a prediction of of potential life left in it but it's they're very good predictors as long as you know how to work with them and you give them you give them the ability to predict accurately so the thing is that you know people come to me and they say to me i'm gonna come to everybody not just me somebody asks you advice and i always preface it and whether it's a regardless doesn't have to be about engines if somebody comes to me and asks asks me advice 
I'll ask them some questions and I'll preface my answer by saying, if everything you told me is true, then if I were in your position, this is what I would do. All right, I'm going to give you the best advice of what I would do. I'm not saying it's, it's good advice, but it's what I would do, and I may be 100% wrong. But I always preface it by saying everything that you told me is true. So if everything that you are telling that fuel economy meter, the range, everything is true, then it's going to give you some pretty good predictions. If you lie to it, not intentionally, because you never reset it or you do things differently, then then it's it's not, I mean... It's not the case, all right? So it's going to skew it. So like they used to say, garbage in, garbage out with computers. Well, I don't want to really call this computers, but if if the data is good, then it's a very, very good, accurate predictor. And these predictors become a tool in your toolbox. It's not something to live and die by. Like I said, with the fuel economy, it's a tool in your toolbox and that you need to know. Uh, it's just an, another data point, another data point. And if you use it accurately, it's a good data point. So the last thing I want to touch on is regens of a diesel particulate filter. And to recap for some of you who may not listen to any of those shows about that, a diesel particulate filter is a soot trap, and that's the particulates that come out of a diesel engine. And I did a show a few weeks back. They're starting to put them on gas engines now. Now, there's two ways for a regen. What, what, what a regeneration means is that the the diesel particulate filter is going to become superheated. They're going to they're going to introduce diesel fuel into the diesel oxidation catalyst it's going to become a furnace it's going to really heat up the exhaust and the the heated exhaust is going to go into the dpf and this this soot that the the that this black the, the particles they're called particulate matter all right is going to be burned and it's going to be cur- converted from particulates to ash so think of it this way then very you know zig zig used to say break it down to ridiculous exaggerate so if you have a, a barbecue grill old bob fashion barbecue and you use charcoal briquettes the charcoal briquettes are big right i mean relatively big all right and the thing is that and you put them in the barbecue grill when you're done cooking and the charcoal briquettes are all burned out it becomes ash in the bottom of the grill right it doesn't take up anywhere near the space that the briquettes did so same thing happens the particulates going into the dpf diesel particulate filter and then this very near future gasoline particular filter is are, are large they're the briquettes after you're done cooking the hamburgers you got the ash all right so at one so the thing is that so what the dpf does is the regeneration is it takes the briquettes the big pieces the particulates and it converts them to ash through heat so that is two ways for this to for this to be evoked and the early systems which caused a lot of a lot of owner dissatisfaction whether it was a farm tractor combine a semi a pickup truck a diesel car was that they used to then again go back to those algorithms and looked at running time and it looked at running time and how many gallons of fuel were used so let's say arguably it was it was calibrated for every hundred gallons of fuel if we use easy numbers is we're going to go through a region so now you could have had a you could have used 100 gallons of fuel at 70 miles an hour going down the highway and and had very little very little particulate matter stored in the dpf versus 100 gallons of fuel driving in a city in brooklyn new york or in downtown los angeles and have a lot of particulates stored but it did not care so it was basically looking at running time and it was usually an, an algorithm that looked at a running time as hours and miles and regardless of whether the dpf was clean or not it would go through a regen cycle and then what they started to do was put pressure transducers in so and that's a much more accurate way so the pressure trend they would read the pressure coming into the diesel particulate filter and they would read the pressure out of the the particulate filter so if the filter was starting to get plugged up the pressure coming in would be higher than the pressure going out if the pressure coming in and out were were normalized or almost even then it was not plugged and that is why 
you could have some people with a diesel and whether it's a farm tractor or whether it's a car or a pickup truck so let's say arguably that you're feeding cattle you're a feedlot operation you're feeding cattle and you're using this tractor that has a dpf on it, and you're doing a lot of short trip cycles a lot of idling a lot of in and out of the throttle all right you're going to build particulate matter at a higher rate at a quicker rate and it's going to have to go through a regen cycle sooner all right so the thing is that versus a a a, a a vehicle that goes down the road or or for the same farm tractor used to just to, to uh just disc a field so the thing is that the way the engine makes part or the amount of particulates the engine makes is a combination of many different dynamics it's the combustible it's the com- it's the efficiency of the combustion chamber it's the efficacy of the fuel that is being used and that's why i'm always a big proponent for advertising the fuel because if you have poor combustion you're going to have high levels of particulates and you're going to go through a lot of regen cycles all right and the third thing i mean we're going to forget about the condition of the engine if you're pumping oil but the third thing that's controllable is the way the engine is used so then again if you have if it's used in a steady state operation it's used it's used at a more constant speed it's not going to build particulates as at at such a fast rate so those three elements all come into play but this the the more modern systems i should say well most of the new systems are looking at pressure in and out of the dpf so now you have a pressure sensor that comes in that's reading in a pressure sensor that's coming out all right that's wonderful as long as the pressure sensors are accurate so if you have a pressure sensor that so if you're going so if you're going through that's why then again i you know i said this before many times in the show ad nauseum and on the radio show is that you got to be mindful of this stuff you say man i'm using this engine i'm i'm using this semi the same way i'm using this tractor more or less the same way and now all of a sudden i'm starting to go through more regens why does it you know i did a regen last week why does it want to regen now that's a data point that's a flag that needs to come up you say something is going on you know why am i going through these regens because you'll know a history of something and you'll say well geez you know normally i go x amount i have a regen cycle normally i go to, and that's why i say it's important you know for fuel economy everything that i've been talking about for you to you don't have to write it down in a notebook oh i did a regen yesterday but you <coughs> you know you, you need have you have anecdotal information and the thing is that and it's an idea of keeping keeping you know being cognizant of what's happening with your machinery and that's what this show is all about because oftentimes you could catch something before it's not a major problem by just saying hey you know, that's not right you know just like hey if you have a i'll make let's say if you have a business and uh and uh you have a customer and the customer always pays you within 30 days you say okay well, you know joe always pays me within 30 days or joe's always pays me within a week and now joe didn't pay you for 35 days 40 days well you're not particular you're not going to jump down the guy's throat because he's your customer right? and you say what well, something must have happened but now joe didn't pay you for 50 days then you have to say well did something happen to joe is joe mad at me what have you so so it's a data point you say joe always pays me or just like anything or i go for breakfast in the morning if i'm not there by 5 20 5 22 in the morning there's when i come and say oh what happened you're late today so the thing basically is so they know that i get there about a certain time so you know these are all data points but the thing is that so if your system and that's why you have to be knowledgeable about your dpf you know is it using pressure sensors or is it using an algorithm based upon running time and fuel used all right and then if it's based upon uh, pressure sensors and all you have to do is find the dpf and look for two sensors coming in and out but we'll, uh, we'll look in the manual or what have you and then you see something start to change then you say to yourself, well something's going on here and most likely at that particular point the pressure sensor itself is starting to become skewed so or there's some sort of error there so i think we covered everything like i said it doesn't work on magic for a quick recap fuel economy miles per gallon fuel usage is going to be based upon injector pulse width <clears throat> it knows the specific well, it does it knows the average specific gravity of diesel fuel on a diesel average specific gravity of, of unleaded gasoline so it's going to be injector pulse width engine speed running time 
and road speed and it's going to determine that because it knows how many pulses of so many cc's of fuel it it, the, it administered it's very easy to work that backwards and calculate fuel mileage you need to reset that to get accurate data the range to empty is going to be based upon the miles per gallon that are stored in there so if you don't reset it that's going to skew the oil life early systems on higher end applications used a sensor that looked at the electrical electrical conductivity of the oil now most of almost every system is an algorithm whether it's a farm tractor or a car it's an algorithm that's going to look at all of the dynamics of the type of driving the warm-up cycles the length of the driving cycles the speed the load on the engine the fuel used and it's going to determine the oil life based upon that potential for the oil life and then the regens of a dpf is either going to be triggered by an algorithm which is the poorest way to do it and based upon running time and fuel usage all right and then or it's going to be based upon pressure in and out of the diesel particulate filter in an algorithm it's going to say when there is a differential with that pressure then you will at a certain point it's going to flag it and it's going to say it's going to evoke some sort of regen and you know it could be what they call a passive regen where it just does it by itself or it could be an active regen or a forced regen and uh we've i've done shows on that so i'm not going to get into that here but listen we have no tool we have no readers letter today but i am gonna uh, i am gonna play tex rubinowitz because everybody likes him come on tex then we get a drink of water Alrighty, so even though we didn't have any letter, uh, I do have some letters. I have to go through them, and I've been meaning to do that. And uh, so we're going to make that happening. I'm going to bring those back. Um, I may do a show in a couple of weeks that just has has letters because I do have a number of eclectic letters that I would like to share with you guys. I did a show about that about a month or so ago, but they were more actually from from car questions, not about farm equipment or trucks or what have you so we're going to do that uh and let me see what else i wanted to tell you so hopefully you enjoyed enjoyed this today and uh oh yeah let me see uh don't forget to uh to send me an email at hot rod farmer at farm machinery digest.com and then let me know where you're listening from and i'll put you in that drawing for the license plate and everybody who won this week congratulations there's two more people that did not get back to me yet so we're going to need to wait for them and then i am going to have susan my art director put up on the website a listing of everybody that's going to be a rolling that's going to be a rolling list so through this whole contest so it's not going to be taken down every week so this way if you miss a show or something and you just go there and you can look for your name and then if you look for your name and then you uh won and i didn't send you a license plate you just reach out to me and then let me know and i will definitely definitely get that to you so listen i want to thank you so much for uh for tuning in today and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved 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 american please don't forget to uh to say a prayer for little cole michael reisman and you guys take care and i'll catch you next time bye bye